You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. You're listening to. The Life Tree Community Church Podcast. Um, I hope everybody had a good week. Anybody tired? A long week, huh? It's a long week. It's, it, man, um, I'd like to share about the past few weeks for our family. Um, it's been pretty rough. We've, we've witnessed some pretty difficult things. We've seen people um, literally screaming at other people that they don't even know. Um, we've heard people openly and boldly lie, like screaming lies. We've seen violent interactions and fights in our own family. We've seen fight, not among us, but we've seen fights in the last two weeks where the police actually had to be called. Um, and all this happened at my son's soccer games. <laughs> I wish I was joking. I'm not. It's, I mean, it's been absolute. People are angry. Yeah? <laughs> Like, everywhere, people are angry. Um, parents yelling at refs, parents yelling at kids, coaches yelling at kids, kids yelling back at the adults, and I can't blame the kids because they're just doing what's being modeled for them, right? They're, they're just doing what we're teaching them to do, so you can't blame kids. Um, I mean, screaming, like, like, head gone, flames, right? Screaming, right? Yeah, that guy absolutely insane um and we all know it's not just the people on the soccer fields right it's not just the people there um people are angry everywhere angry about gas prices anybody angry about gas prices we're angry about politics we're angry about what's happening in our world angry about texas we're angry about the ukraine we're angry about uh somalia we're angry about china we're angry about things all over the place we're angry about things here we're angry about things there. Uh, it seems like every day we wake up and add something new to the list to be angry about. Right? You go to, you go to a town council meeting. You want to see some angry people? You go to a school board meeting. You should come to our church board meetings. No, that's uh, we're, we're pretty good. We're pretty good. But I want to be clear. When I say people are angry, I mean people out there, not you or me. Like, we're, we're not angry. It's not us. It's not us. Um, it's just that people are angry in general, people. Um, and again, I wish that was a joke, but it's probably us too. Um, it's so hard not to get caught up in it, isn't it? Isn't it hard not to get caught up in the anger that's all around us? Um, some days it seems the only way to get anything done is to get good and angry. That if you're not screaming, something doesn't change. That the only way to make something happen is you have to yell at the waiter. Or you have to yell at the manager to get things done. You can't possibly just have a conversation. You've got to demand. You have to yell at the government. You can't engage in dialogue. You have to yell if you want to be heard. And it can feel like the only way to be accepted as part of our society is to be outraged just like everybody else. That if you're not outraged like everybody else is outraged, then there's something wrong with you. That normal is outraged. That calm is abnormal, right? That you must not care enough if you're not angry. Am I, am I lying? Am I making this up? I mean, do you feel this, right? There's truth in this. And here's the thing. When things are wrong, we shouldn't be okay with that. We shouldn't be okay with things being wrong. Uh, like, anger is like pain. It's valuable. It's a good quality. It's important. 
It notifies us when things aren't as they should be so that we can address the source of that pain. We go, something's wrong here, something's wrong. We should do something. Angry, 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 I should, I should fix this. We should be angry when children are attacked in schools. That should make us angry. And we should be angry when war takes the lives of brothers and sisters. And we should be angry when those in power seem to serve their own self-interest. When those who are in leadership seem to abdicate, they don't do what they're supposed to do. We should be angry about that. We should be angry when people are careless and foolish and selfish. Those things should make us angry. That's called righteous anger. Right? We, we know this. Righteous anger. It's anger that refuses to accept injustice. It refuses to tolerate offense. It refuses to ignore violence and violations of what is good. Anger is actually an emotion God himself experiences. Read the scriptures. Oh, the Lord's he's, he's angry a lot. <laughs> he's always, he's angry often in the Old Testament. The, angry of, the anger of God is sort of a constant throughout human history. Anger isn't bad and it's not wrong. It's actually essential to our human experience. But here's the thing about anger. Ready? It's dangerous. Look, it's right there in the word. Anger, right in the middle, right? It's, it's dangerous, right? That's, <laughs> you're all going to say it now. You're going to say that's terrible, but you're going to go repeat it. It's dangerous, all right? It's like dynamite. Placed at the right spot, it can be very effective. It can be very effective, but if you're not careful with it, it can do some serious damage. It's so powerful, it needs to be handled with extreme care. The past few weeks in our church here, we've been examining storms that can shipwreck our faith, things that threaten our faith to say, hey, I have faith in God, I'm doing it. And something happens, a storm comes up, and we say, that's it, I quit, I give up. I don't give up on God, but this faith thing, I just can't, I just, I can't do this anymore. We, we quit, we, 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 and the ship goes down. Things like violating our conscience and missing the whole point of this, which is love and, and pride and our past, like all these different things that, that can shipwreck our faith. Can you guess what the next storm is going to be today? Anybody, right? It's danger, yeah, anger, anger. Because the storm of anger can and has shipwrecked far too many in faith. What makes anger so dangerous is not that we feel it. It's not the problem. It's what we do with it. It's very much what we do with it. Listen for the key word in this passage I'm about to read. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. Listen to this key word. Ready? Here we go. Do we don't have it up there? Is it not in there? It's not in there. I'm just going to read it. So I didn't make a slide for it. Ephesians 4, 26. It says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. The key word in this passage is the word control control anger is an emotion that's so strong you know what it wants to do it wants to take over it wants to take over it wants to dominate you it wants to dictate your actions anger is a wonderful passenger and a lousy driver it clouds our judgment when you get angry right Listen, when we act in anger, we operate at a lower level. We, 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 
It makes decisions for you, and they are terrible decisions, regrettable decisions, hurtful decisions, damaging decisions. I had a pastor who once said, sin, being anger, makes you stupid. (laughs) That's what it does. It makes you dumb. Anger leads to impulsive behavior and overreactions and violence. Marcus Aurelius actually said this, how much more grievous are the consequences of anger than the causes of it? What we do in our anger is actually much worse than what caused anger in the first place. The scriptures equate being controlled by anger with this word foolishness. Listen to these scriptures, Proverbs 14, 29. People with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Proverbs 19, 19. A person of great anger will suffer the penalty. For if you rescue him, you will only have to do it again. Proverbs 29, 11. Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. Ecclesiastes 7, 9. Control your temper, for anger labels you a fool. We can all agree anger is foolish and it's dangerous when it controls you. When it controls you, it makes you foolish and it makes you dangerous. So how does anger threaten our faith? How does that dynamic engage with our faith? The Apostle Paul is someone who was known to get a little testy himself. Someone who struggled. He had issues. And he shares this warning with us in Romans chapter 8. He says, letting your sinful nature control your mind. I think I have this one. Nope. Nope. Man. Goodness. Almost there. Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And he's literally saying this, what you do in your anger is a life and death decision. What you do with your anger is a life and death decision. It's a builder of faith or it's a faith killer. You get to choose. It's going to do one or the other. Anger doesn't just want control, so we're clear. It wants to burn down everything, and that will inevitably include you. Anger wants to control you, and then what it wants to do is just burn it all down. That's why we can't let anger lead the way. So what do we do when we're angry, really, really angry about what's wrong? How do, we, how do we handle that? How can we live in a way that allows our anger to build up our faith rather than just destroy it all? Because sometimes you've had those moments where you're so angry, you see red. And you just want to tear it all down. You just want to burn it down. And you don't care who's in front of you. We've had those moments. So what do we do? How can we live in a way that allows anger, which is good and healthy and necessary to our experience, when we see things that are wrong because we're going to continue to see things that are wrong? They're out there all the time. We are surrounded by wrongs everywhere. You can't look at the news without seeing wrongs. How can we trust God when we see wrong? When we do that, God, what do we do with that? I'm angry about this. It's not right. I'm angry about it. What do we do with that? I'm so thankful for the Word of God because when we have questions like that, it has answers. It has answers. 
And these should be on the screen. I think they are. Paul once again helps us understand what to do with our anger. Romans chapter 12, 17 says this. There we go. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. So that Greek word never, it means never. There we go. There is no situation where doing wrong fixes a wrong. Never. Never. Don't even think about it. In your anger, you, first of all, you take the high road. That's what you do. First off, let's just get it clear. When things are wrong, it's non-negotiable. Another wrong, not going to make it better. Be careful in your anger that you don't just add to it, fuel the fire, gasoline with your angry words. Jules Renard says this, It doesn't pay to say too much when you are mad enough to choke. For the word that stings the deepest is the word that's never spoke. Let the other fellow wrangle till the storm is blown away. Then he'll do a heap of thinking about the things you didn't say. First off the bat, do not compound the wrong by just in anger. That's what he says. Never pay back evil. Do all that you can. Do things in such a way that everyone can see your honorable. Next, verse 18. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. The work of our lives. The work of our days. What we go out to do. So much of our work is this. Now more than ever, be relentless for peace. To be blessed are the peace makers. For they will be called children of of God. See, peace isn't just getting along. It's not like, hey, go out there and just help people get along. It's not just make them agreeable with each other. It's not about the appearance of calm, and it's not just about ensuring quiet. Right? Parents, sometimes quiet can feel like peace, and you'll take it. It's like, hey, as long as they're quiet, good enough. But that's not peace. Peace means that all relationships are right. They're as they should be. That, that word shalom, that that rich word, shalom, all is as it should be between me and God and me and you and me and everyone around me. All is, it's this deep, rich word of right relationship. Peace is that it demands repentance and forgiveness and grace and mercy and humility. See, here's the thing about peace. He says, do all that you can. Here's the thing about peace. Ready? It's hard. <laughs> it's work. It's demanding. And it breaks the cycle of wrong. When somebody does something wrong, we don't make it better by doing wrong. He says, your work is to bring about peace. Your work, when there's wrong, here's the, there's success. You want to know when you, what, what the goal is when there's wrong out there? It's to make it all right, to make relationships right. Because people have done wrong to other people, and blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Our job is to enter the situation, enter the wrong, and make it right. That's what we do. And we're to pursue that with everybody. <laughs> everybody. We're not charged with being judges, but with building bridges. And this is what he says next. It's so important. Verse, here we go. Verse 19 says, Dear friends, Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I'm going to take revenge. Don't you worry. 
I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, if you are, if you, if that's your favorite verse, yeah, that says something about you, right? Like, oh, I'm just so thankful God says that. But honestly, if we're all truthful, aren't we thankful God says that? Because that promises us that God sees it all and one day He's going to make everything right. It's one of my favorite parts of Revelation, the end of the Bible. It's one of my favorite things because God lets us know there's a day of reckoning, a judgment day. And we think that that's a bad day. No, that's going to be a sacred day because that's the day when everything that has ever been wrong will be made right. And we can have confidence that as we look into a world full of wrongs, who's keeping track? God says, I got it. I got it. I'm making all wrongs right. Nothing will escape his eyes. Psalm 37 says this, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Listen to this. It says, stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your temper. It only leads to harm. Ready? Here's why you can have peace. The wicked are going to be destroyed. But those who trust in the Lord will possess the land. God promises very simply, I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to take care of it. But the weight of revenge, let me just tell you, that's too heavy for any one of you. Not one of us in the room is competent and capable to exact revenge on anybody on anything, on any single system, nothing. Revenge is not your job. It's nowhere in your job description. It's nowhere in your capabilities. It's nowhere in your calling. It's not in your DNA. It's not hardwired into you anywhere. It will destroy you if you take it on. You ever watch Princess Bride? I've been in the revenge business so long. Now that it's over, I don't know what to do with myself. Mandy Patinkin, the actor, said that was the, that was the single most impactful line for him in the entire script. That line. We can be in the revenge business and it does damage to us. We're not designed for it. Leave it to God. So many seek to do God's job for him. We appreciate the effort. <laughs> Walk away. Leave it alone. He's good for it. So what can we do? Because when we see these wrongs and we just want to go fix it, and God, you're not doing it on our timeline. God, I want you to make these wrongs right. What do we do with that? Verse 20 tells us, this is how you can direct your energy. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. And I'll go back for a second. This is not to condemn. This is to help people realize there's a different way. This isn't so that we just smush people. He's not saying, hey, do good so that you can just absolutely make people miserable. The goal of godly actions is always to turn people to the truth. That there's something better. And he continues here. Don't let evil conquer you. But you conquer evil by doing good. We don't meet wrong with wrong. We confront wrong with what's right. You want to know what to pour your energy into when you are good and mad? 
You pour your energy into doing good, into doing what's right. Now listen, there's all sorts of ways that we can give application to that. What does it mean to do good? Listen, meeting needs, feeding the hungry, and the hungry are those who are depriving you of food, right? He's, the hungry and thirsty weren't, weren't kind people who were just in need. Those are the ones causing the problems. So do good for the people that are causing the problems. You can do good for them. But I want to focus on one. Just highlight one for us. And it comes from 1 Timothy chapter 1. He says this, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Verse 2, pray this way for all kings and for all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. And skip ahead now to, I believe it's verse 8. He says this, In every place of worship I want men to pray with holy hands lifted up to God free from anger and controversy. So let's just break that down a little bit. Paul says, he's writing this to Timothy, to his young protege, somebody he's mentoring in the faith. And he says, Timothy, you're going to pray for all people. And we'll get to, I'm not over-spiritualizing this. Oh, I want to pray. I want to do more good than that. Don't worry. We're gonna, it's going to be real practical in just a moment. But he says, Timothy, I want you to pray for all people. And he singles out kings and those in authority. Do you know who was in authority? Who was king when Timothy was around? It's a guy named Nero. Who burned Rome. Literally. Was doing wrong. But he not only burned it, but he blamed it on the Christians that he was persecuting. So, he's a bad dude. Doing wrong to the people of God. Blaming them for the wrong he's doing. And Paul's telling Timothy, hey, you know who I want you to pray for? I want you to pray for Nero. I want you to pray for him. I'm going to guess Timothy was angry about Nero's actions. <laughs> I don't think Timothy was okay with what Nero was doing. Saying, hey, pray for that guy. See, the first step was not condemnation or public rebuke. Although well, there's probably time and place for those things. But the first step forward was prayer. He says, I want you to pray, Timothy. And the goal of your prayer is peaceful and quiet lives. He doesn't mean, let's just pray that everybody just settles down. It's not just, hey, let's, can't we just get along? Can't we just like... The goal of prayer here was a societal peace so that, specifically, so that the Word of God could advance. He's not just praying for peace so that we can all go on vacation. He said, pray for peace. Pray for enough peace so that the word of the Lord can go because God wants everyone to be saved. He wants everybody to know and when there's hostility, people can't hear because they're just in survival mode. So pray that there's peace so that the word of God can go out. That's what he's saying here. We should pray for the root of hostility to be conquered, for violence to give way to peace, for animosity to break into kindness and gentleness, for hatred to become love, for humiliation to make way for honor. And it's interesting because Paul says, I'm going to tell you two ways to pray, 
two things, two instructions here, two things you do as you pray, right? He says, I want you to lift your hands and I want you to lift your voice. Lift your hands and lift your voice. Everybody look at your hands. Just look at your hands. They say that hands tell the story of a life. If you've worked with your hands, they'll tell. Our guitar players back there probably got some calluses on the tips of your fingers. Yeah, right? Yeah, mm mm-hmm, right? If you're a nurse, right, you probably use a lot of lotion because you wash your hands all day long and they got dry, right? So your hands tell the story of what you've done with your life. Let me ask you, when we do violence, what do we usually use to do violence? We use our hands, whether it's pulling a trigger or throwing a fist or a slap or a grab or a push. Most of the violence in our world is done with our hands. When we're angry, what's the first thing we want to throw? <laughs> hands. Hands. Some of you kick. Some of you are kickers. But most of you, it's hands. It's hands. Think about this. In our anger, God wants us to dedicate our hands to good and says, I just want you to lift them. Instead of your first response being this, how about your first response be, God, I'm going to give you my hands. I'm going to lift them up. Holy hands set apart for redemption, God. God, I'm going to offer up this. As much as I want to use my hands to exact revenge, I humbly lift them to you. And then what's the second thing he asks us to use? Lift your voice. Because what's the other thing that we do violence with? Some of you know how to use your mouth to say some awful things. We know how to put people in their place. We can cut people down and throw daggers with our mouth. And God says, when you are angry at the world, when you are angry about what's going on, here's what I want you to do. I want you to submit yourself. I want you to lift your hands and I want you to lift your voice. As much as you want to go blah, blah, blah. He says, I want you to lift your voice to God on behalf of the same people that are the source of your pain. Oh, this is not easy. Can you see how this is a battle of the will? In our anger, this is why it has such potential to shipwreck our faith because it's all about our choice. It's up to us. The anger, justified. It's wrong. Shouldn't be that way. How we react has everything to do with whether our ship continues to go forward or if it sinks. You're going to choose violence today? Or are you going to choose to do good? We can be part of the problem or be part of the solution. There are no other options. Here's the thing. If you're, if you're too angry to pray to do that, then you're too angry to do any good. If you're too angry to pray, you're too angry to lift your hands and to lift your voice, then you are too angry to do any good. Guard yourself. Guard yourself. Anger has the potential to shipwreck you. And there's, there's the, the hopeful reality. <laughs> We're going to continue to be angered by the conditions and realities of this world. 
Some of you, listen, I'm just telling you now, listen, I hate, one of the reasons I hate, a strong word, one of the difficult things about preaching is that every time you have a message, it gets tested. Oh, man. But here's the thing. Now that it's out off of my chest and you get to hear it, yeah, buckle up. Somebody's going to cut you off on the way home. <laughs> like, something's going to happen, and you're going to be tested in the days to come. I'm just telling you, plan on it. Guard yourself. It's coming. It's probably already happened today, but there will be more of it now that you know this. How we respond will determine what our faith does. God enlists us to pray, not only so that the wrong can be made right, but so that our faith can grow. And our mission is righteous. And when we give our hands and voices to it, we use what we have most powerfully. An angry world wants to suck us in. They think, hey, listen, anger, you know what our world tells us? It tells us that anger is power. That when you're angry, oh man, an angry person, watch out when I'm angry because I get stuff done. Mm. Violence can feel right, but it's nothing compared to the gentleness of God. Shouting can feel right, but it's nothing compared to a gentle word. Scripture says a gentle word can break bones. Revenge can feel right, but it's nothing compared to forgiveness. There's hope. The wrongs of our world are opportunities to humble ourselves before the one who says, hey, I'm going to make all things right. Trust me. I got this. And we get to participate in the restoration of what is right. We get to be part of it. And all we got to do is just start with, okay, God, I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to lift my voice. All right, I'm going to pray for those in authority. I'm going to pray for those who I'm angry about. I'm going to serve. Oh, humility. <laughs> but faith grows. Faith grows and wrong begins to crumble and good begins to persevere. I'm going to call the team back, back up and we're going to close with communion today. You should have received... The elements when you came in, if you didn't, please just raise your hand. Our ushers will make sure that you got it. If anybody didn't get it, just raise your hand. Our ushers will make sure that you get it. But everybody should be served. Um, anybody not get it, just again, keep your hands up. Our ushers are ready to get it to you if you didn't. Um, the practice of sharing a ceremonial meal, that's what communion is, to remind us what God did for us. And uh, let me tell you, as Jesus hung on the cross, he had every right to be angry. Let's think about that. As he hung on the cross, Jesus had every right to be angry. Nothing in our world has ever been more wrong than what was done to Jesus. There's never been a wrong like that. He was innocent. He didn't do anything. Yet, angry words being spewed at him. Fists raised in violence towards him. Violence done towards him with hands and with voices, right? This is what we, what we go to the story. Think about it. On the cross, every right to be angry. Words being thrown at him. Violence being done to him. And what does Jesus 
choose to do in that moment? He chooses to pray. He chooses to pray for those who were wrong. Father, do good to them. They don't know what they're doing. He chooses to lift his voice to do good. His heart was not for justice, but for mercy, for grace that would lead to change. As the psalmist wrote, Psalm 86, You, O Lord, you're a God of compassion and mercy. And you are slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. There's no greater example of how we are to manage the wrongs that confront us every single day. If you're a guest with us, we invite you to join us. You don't have to be a member of Life Tree to participate. It's, it's our privilege and honor to share in the sacred tradition to remember how much we are loved. Would you just close your eyes in a word of prayer with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this bread. Lord, it represents your body. Your word tells us no greater love has anyone that they would lay down their life for another. God, you gave us your body. Lord, we, we had done wrong to you. Everyone had done wrong to you. Yet you humbled yourself, physically humbled yourself to death on a cross. Because you didn't want to meet wrong with wrong. But in the greatest display of love in history, you met the greatest wrong with the greatest right. You laid down your life. We thank you for this tiny reminder of how great your love is. Let's eat together. cup represents his blood. Let's just take a moment and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you promise that all wrongs will be made right. Lord, you paid for it with your own life. Lord, you gave your life. You bled your own blood so that we could have confidence today, 2022, that we could have peace in our being, in our soul, that we could have the assurance that all wrongs will be made right. That we don't carry the burden of revenge. That we don't have to carry it because you did it. You, you will make all wrongs right. That's what you paid for. So God, as we drink this, it's a reminder to us that our task is simply to love. To do good. To trust you to do your job. We get to do ours. We thank you for the ultimate sacrifice and the promise that we have. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Let's drink. Peace.